Shinobi gonna visit Lowtown? I want to visit Shinobi's Lowtown for a little of that old low five, if you know what I mean. Welcome to episode 62 of the Mutant Musings podcast. It's the middle of January 2020, and we'll be discussing new comics and next wave. I'm your host, Jonathan, and with me, as always, is the reason the Bronze Age ended and the Red-Headed Age started... Here's your friendly reminder that you can leave us a comment on this episode's webpage on geekade.com, leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes, or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast, and follow us on Twitter at mutant musings. Why not make it your New Year's resolution to follow us on social media? Rate us on your podcast app and leave us a comment. You can even ask questions. Ask us about anything, within reason. Like, how big is it, Jonathan? Well, the answer to how big it is, is nearly 30 boxes. My comic book collection is nearly 30 boxes full before I went digital. That was what you were thinking of when you were asking how big is it, right? Right. And speaking of new year, the year might be new, but our language is not. It is still dirty as fuck. That's right. We're not cleaning up our language. Nope. No shower. No soap. No water. Just dirt. We got dirt all over our language's naked, dirty bodies. Dirty, naked, fucking language. The language is fucking. It's fucking because it's dirty. And there's dirt all over the fucking language. Ever see dirt-covered naked language? Fuck, there's your explicit content warning. Oh, man, I thought I was going to make it through all that. Wow. Yeah, right? That was impressive. Yeah, genius, right? Genius. Yeah. No wonder we don't fucking get paid for this. Yep. Yep, totally. How you doing, Patty? I'm Happy doing, New Year. Thank you. Yeah. Happy New Year to you as well. It's, it's nice to see you this New Year. Thank you. Yeah, good. <laughs> so, um, yeah, last time I was sick and I didn't feel like recording. And uh, then we went to MAGFest, which is my new favorite con. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're definitely going to be doing that next year. Yeah, what is MAGFest, Patty? Is it a it festival is, for mags? Yes. Yes, it magazines. Is the Mag- Make America Great Festival. Whoa, whoa, no. whoa. No, no, no. Whoa. Listen, um, MAGFest <laughs> has been around longer than that bullshit. Uh, it stands for Music and Gaming Festival. Mm-hmm. It is in some town that I forget the name of National already. National Harbor, Maryland. National Harbor. It is on in the Maryland, outside of D.C., so it's not too far from us. It's only like four or five hours or whatever. So uh, getting a hotel, sharing it with six people. We had a good time. We were a little bit worried about it because we haven't spent a con with like other people in the hotel except for once. I yeah. haven't done it since I was like 17, shared a room with so many people. And when we were with Victoria, we had our own bed. That's right. Yes. Uh, we had, so this was a funny little snafu. We had uh, reserved a room with two queen beds. Uh, so, you know, it would be two people per bed and then one per... Two people on the floor. No, two people on an air mattress. Yeah. And it well, uh, yeah. turned out that they fucked up. Uh, they gave us a king. So three people were on the bed. Um, and then luckily one guy brought a queen and twin uh, air mattress. So we slept on the queen and he slept on the twin it was to very weird to try to get up to pee because there was, like, no room to walk around the guy that was on the floor. Yeah, I hit some feet. <laughs> uh, at least nobody got kicked in the head. But to be fair, you deserve to sleep on the queen because you're the queen. That's true. Right? Yes. See? Yeah, See? I like, I like that. that. Yeah. And uh, I rented a, a Zoomy boy again because <laughs> um, Jonathan's chest was hurting and uh, the floor was all carpeting. So it was really hard to push the wheelchair. So I rented a Zoomy boy and uh, ran over Jonathan's feet like four times. 
No, probably more than that. More than that? That's all right. And then I got a little tipsy and was kind of like swerving when we were outside yeah. on the sidewalk. Yep. And people were just jumping out of the way. It was kind of really funny. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you thought that that was funny. And then we got Chipotle, <laughs> which was uh, my first slightly intoxicated Chipotle. And it was <laughs> it was way better than when I had Chipotle when I was sober. Oh, my God, Patty. Because it's, it's spicy, but like <laughs> with alcohol, I didn't really care as much. Oh, I'm glad that these are the highlights for you. I mean, Patty, listen, you can fucking drink wine, rent a Zoomy boy, and go to Chipotle anytime you want. But I'm really happy that this was the highlight of MAGFest for you. And somebody, one of our roommates was, like, joking that I was going to get a DUI if I was driving when I was drunk. Can we not test that? Because cause it's going to be me that bails you out. I don't want to call your mom and have to have that conversation. Your mom's got enough on her plate. Yeah, your daughter honest. got drunk and just <laughs> ran over everybody's feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was, it was a good time. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, we got to see a bunch of concerts and yes. actual things. We went to a bunch of panels. We went to some photo shoots for, like, Mega Man. Got to play belly dancing. video games. Yeah, we got to see belly dancing. That, that was, was pretty fun. dope. Yeah, video games. Oh, I was so happy. They had so much. They had, a, you know, a, a huge room full of arcades. And so that, that was awesome because, like, when we go to, what was it, like, Otakon? Like, there yeah. wasn't... There wasn't as much of a varied selection, and so they had they had the Ninja Turtles uh, arcade, the uh, the first Ninja Turtles arcade. Uh, so played that for a little bit. We played X Men, um, and that was fantastic. Even though I sucked sucked so badly at that, and I got to play Crazy Taxi. I haven't played that game since I was like fucking seventeen years old. I used to love that game. I used to be pretty dope at it. Uh, I'm no longer pretty dope at it, but it was still a good time. And then there were you know it was another huge room full of like. Just about every popular system that ever existed, and you could play like anything you wanted. And uh, there were a lot of them obviously taken, but we were passing by one, and I saw Mega Man X. So this is the <laughs> second time that I have beaten Mega Man X at a convention that was in another state. That is wow. awesome. I have now beaten Mega Man X in Washington, D.C., and in Maryland. I'm so my goal is that we go to a convention <laughs> in every single state, yeah. and I play through and beat Mega Man X. All right? All right. We're doing it. Well, we do. We, we are interested in going to Dragon Con. They which better is, have Mega Man X in Georgia. It's it's in Atlanta, but like it's really expensive to stay there for five days. Too bad. We're doing it. So, yeah. We so need any, to... of our, any of our listeners, if you want to come, shell out some money so we can all pay a little less and yeah. hang out at Dragon Con well, with us, let us know. Jake said he might go. Jake. Jake. He's going to. Jake from State Farm is going to yeah, be there. So Jake we already. From State Farm. We got a celebrity. Yeah. Right? So if you want to be a, a fourth person, you know, hit us up. You know where to contact us. And yeah. Okay. So uh, so before we get to some comics, I, I, I did this uh, the end of uh, 2018 where I was kind of like, you know, reviewing what, what we've done with this podcast over the, the couple of years that we've been around and what and what the plans are for the following year. So, you know, for, for 2019, I was like, oh, we're going to get on Twitter. We're going to get like writers or artists from Marvel to come on the show. So the Twitter part was pretty easy, and we've had a great time on there. And it took us until our final episode of the year to get somebody from Marvel to come on. Yeah, but, but we, we did, did it. <laughs> but but we did it. Honestly, I probably could have tried a bit harder. We did reach out to a handful. One of them has responded, and matching our schedules up and making it work has been nearly impossible thus far. I hope it does work out. Um, but we got somebody to respond and then, you know, there were a few other people we just never heard back from. And then obviously you guys know that we had Matthew Rosenberg on and we're 
I don't think that he likes me very much. Uh, I don't know if he'll ever come back on, but I thought he was he was great, and I'm so fucking grateful that that man agreed to come on and do that. It was it was amazing. Um, so I, I really it really for this year, I want to continue reaching out to Marvel staff, get more more people who work or have worked for Marvel, or people who work on the X Men or have worked on X Men onto. Onto the show, hopefully, you know, I think that would be, I think that would be awesome. Um, I need to step that up a little bit, but also it's kind of hard because, uh, I have other things that I do and work takes up a lot of my fucking time. So hopefully we can make that happen and it doesn't take us until December to get the second person on. But also, I mean, I want to, there are a lot of like artists that are, that are out there that we see on like Instagram and Twitter relatively, you know, unknown and I would like to be able to help if if possible. Um, you know, any artists out there doing X Men stuff, um, you know, I'd like to consider trying to trying to help by giving them a shout out or by doing some sort of a contest and a giveaway or something, which we're gonna talk a little bit about later. Uh all right, so we are going to be talking about uh a bunch of new comics, and the first one we're gonna talk about is Marauders number five. And I thought this was a this is a pretty good issue. Had a couple of really sweet moments that I really love. Uh, first, Christian and Bobby are hanging out. So yay! <laughs> so that's that was cool. But one really like sweet moment here was Christian guessing that Iceman and Storm are like hanging around Kate to sort of protect her. He calls her Kitty, and Bobby says, "Call her Kate," because it's like you know this is brought up. What if she dies and the resurrection protocols don't work? You know, I mean that's something that has to be. That they have to consider because if she can, why can't she pass through a gate? We still don't know. There's the possibility. That's something that I've considered too. But also, like the resurrection protocols have never been in place before this. So why are they so specifically worried now? Because it's always been a threat that they could die. But I don't know. I mean, like I feel like her being on Krakoa, like Krakoa isn't really part of it, except like I guess the egg. But I feel like they could plant the seeds outside of Krakoa. Wait, what? Okay, so like they can they can take Kitty's mind and put it in that database and then the five can like resurrect her and then she'll be born in the egg, right? And the egg is in like this hatchery in Krakoa and that's the only part that's actually like affected by Krakoa. So if she can't be born there for some reason, I feel like they could just plant a Krakoa seed outside of Krakoa and she could be born there. Yeah, but I think part I, don't know. I think no, I think part of it is the the DNA because they do have genetic samples of every mutant, you know, Sinister had yeah, everybody yeah. cataloged. So I think that that's part of it. Like what if that isn't actually like what if that doesn't work? What if her sample doesn't work and they can't make her? Oh, okay. I guess I didn't think about it that way. No, but that is an interesting point that you bring up that they could fucking, you know, plant a Krakoa seed someplace else, you know? Yeah. Let her be born a U.S. citizen so she could become president. Whoa, wait a second. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she, she is a U.S. citizen. Yeah, no, but I'm saying the second time. <laughs> just to make sure. Just to give her the option. Yeah, just to make sure it takes. <laughs> She'll have double the chance of becoming president. Exactly. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> you ever hear of born-again Christians? Yes. Yeah. So we got born-again presidents. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I thought that that was, that was a really sweet moment because... You have to kind of wonder why, like, these two super powerful X-Men are just kind of hanging in the background of this title, just hanging around Kate, you know, because she's she's the focus of it, really. So so it was kind of sweet to hear that out loud, because it, it does make sense. 
So, I mean, the setup for this issue comes after that. You know, they're they're sitting around, and, you know, uh, fucking Sebastian is like, oh, Shinobi's going to go make this dangerous run, and we want Kate to make the trip in the opposite direction. And so they have a vote, and they're like, nope, nope, Shinobi's going to go do the fucking low town in, in Madripoor. And uh, it was funny, because he's like, I thought I drove my father nuts. So that was great. So So there's part of the setup that comes back later. But... My other favorite part of this issue was really this brief conversation between Kate and Emma, which was amazing. It was a little weird because they've interacted before, and it has not been always the most pleasant. Except for in the bullet, you know, that was kind of sweet, but but we don't have to talk about that. But yeah, so they just sort of they just kind of have like this sweet moment, you know. Kate is like, "What if one day I'm the only old woman on the island?" And Emma tries to actually fucking comfort her. And she's like, I'm afraid to die too, Catherine, which knows what I return with. And I was like, oh my God, stop it. And they hug and it's like, you know, really, really sweet. And I really like that. You know, again, it was was a little sort of weird, but, you know, Kate's different now. Emma is taking an interest in her, obviously for her own reasons, but I'd like to think that... Emma feels something, you know, and admires Kate. Don't... Emma doesn't have feelings. Don't make those... She felt all the nose jobs that she had, Okay, listen, listen. About that, too, because you don't want me to get a nose job, but Emma has gotten nose jobs, and you love her, Patty! Jonathan. Emma Frost is a fictional character. Okay, but you support her nose jobs, so that's all I'm saying. character. All I'm saying... Patty, I'm touching your nose right now. Is that I need a nose job. You guys can't see this, but I am touching, I am tapping Patty's nose. I'm smushing it. I'm giving it a little pokes. I can't touch Emma Frost's nose. Do you you know why? No, hold on. Emma is a fictional character. But you've seen my grandma's nose. I don't want that. You're not going to look like Bobka. She looks like a toad. Bobka comes from Soviet Russia. You don't come from Soviet Russia. You come from New Jersey. New Jersey women age beautifully. Have you ever seen the Real Housewives of New Jersey? They're hideous. (laughs) You take that back. I would like to have their money, though. (laughs) I'm a fan of money. And not having and so to work and Emma just hanging Frost. out all day. Yeah. So you have more in common with oh Emma Frost than you think, okay? Okay. All right? And she was like, oh, what if I joined you instead of Professor X? And Emma is like, oh, I was barely a woman myself, and I would have utterly destroyed you. That and was, I was beautiful. Like, oh, my God, shut I up. I loved it. Okay. Yeah, but then they get a fucking distress call from the, the upstart, which is what Shinobi decided which to name is, his boat. a little bit like, kind of like rubbing it in their faces, like, oh, hey, we, you know, tried killing a whole bunch of you back in the day. <laughs> back in the 90s, guys. <laughs> Remember that? When we were trying to kill you? Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. So there's a fucking data page in this document that, you know, because somebody has eyes on the, the Hellfire kids who are going by Hominace Verende. Now, man must be revered and feared is what that translates to. And so when uh, Storm and Bishop, uh, they answer the fucking distress call in Madripoor and they find Shinobi and a bunch of people, you know, mutants that were going to be rescued, like held inside the fucking boat. And uh, Shinobi's like, how'd you, uh, how'd you handle their power dampening gear? And so, you know, Storm doesn't have her powers and it was just fucking amazing, though. You know, she runs up and she's like, you think I'm powerless? And stabs this dude in this power dampening suit right in the fucking eye. Which I could is not, not believe a that. storm thing to do. I believe that is a storm thing that to do. That is absolutely not a storm S- thing to this do. This is not the first time Storm has cut a bitch. No. And it will not be the last me, time. I know Storm would cut a bitch, but I don't think <laughs> she would, like, 
permanently disfigure somebody if that was the unless that was like the only option i think that was the only option it was not the only option she aimed for the eye consciously (laughs) she could have cut his forehead (laughs) i just i feel like you send a, a clearer message when you aim for the eye over the forehead if you aim, if you if you slash the forehead, that could have been an accident, you know. Oh, you slipped on a banana peel, silly me, sorry, you know. But if you in the eye, you're probably not coming back for more because that still leaves them one eye, one good eye. Do you want to risk that other good eye? I don't think so. But yeah, so so that was pretty fucking badass. But then it looks like Kate, Iceman, and Pyro are are moving in separately on the Marauder. And all of a sudden, they're fucking boarded. And it's the fucking Executioner and the Hatemonger. Um, I don't know who they are. And... and really? Yeah. And fucking... I think it was the Hatemonger that was like, Humanity will never yield to Gene Junk. Mankind first. <laughs> gene Junk. And and the next issue uh, in Crack Owen, it says Backstabbers. So the Hatemonger is a villain that's been around since the 60s. Sure he has. And... <laughs> I remember him dearly. Yeah, do you? Yeah. Dearly is not the word to use. He was originally a clone of Hitler. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's nothing dear about Well, he, w- he wasn't an X-Men character then, or no. else I would have remembered him. Okay. Uh, I mean, pro- I wanna, I, I'm sure. I don't know much about the character, just other than who he is. Um, probably Captain America. I believe he first appeared in Fantastic Four, but... Captain America has the coolest villains. Is he really? Do you think so? Who's a cool Captain America villain? I the feel, Red Skull? No, not the Red Skull, but I feel like uh, like half of the characters from Thunderbolts, I was like, oh, this character's cool. I wonder where they're from. And it's always Captain America. <laughs> like that girl with the pink and white hair. Songbird. Songbird. Songbird's fucking She's dope. cool. Yeah, she's She's really from Captain cool. America. Uh, maybe. And there were, there were others. I can't remember them now. But I feel like... Fixer? Yeah. Fixer? Am I, I right? Fixer was originally in Spider-Man. Beetle? Oh my god, okay. Beetle is fucking dope. Okay. I love Beetle. Stop making fun of me. <laughs> I'm making fun. I love Beetle. I legitimately love Beetle. Whoa, yeah, what so about, what about uh, Swarm? Swarm? It's another fucking Nazi, Patty. I know, but his power is so cool. <laughs> is he from Captain it's America? Not a, it's not really a power as much as it is just a bees. A, a literal hive mind. <laughs> I want to say, yeah, he must be from Captain America. I mean, he's a Nazi. Of course he was a Captain America. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, you guys, there's this really great Twitter account that I can't think of the name of right now. But it's like, it's like they take quotes from Trump and superimpose them on pictures of the Red Skull. Okay. Yes. President Super President Supervillain. That is the name of the account. <laughs> President Supervillain. Yeah. So it's like the greatest Twitter. Yeah, because it's it's actual panels from comics of the Red Skull talking and like the word balloons, but the dialogue is Trump tweets. Yeah, it works. Thousand percent, it works. Uh, so yeah, there's that, and there's Executioner from Executioner's Song. You don't remember that? I remember thing? the name. But yeah, he was a guy who was just basically anti mutant. So he put on the fucking you know suit. The executioner suit and uh, got some weapons and, you know, went after mutants. Yeah, they kind of blend together after a while, all the anti-mutant people. So th- there was a, there was sweet moments. There was some interesting setup for, you know, conflict we're going to be getting a bit more. You know, it was great to see Sebastian kicked in the dick again because he is a fucking dick. I kind of want Shinobi to be a, a good boy and kind of help out. 
I, I still feel like at some point, though, he's going to realize Sebastian has been lying to him and he's going to turn on him, and that's going to be awesome. Uh, I just, you know, I'm sure I've talked about it before. Shinobi was like... He he was just so shitty in the nineties. You know, he was a great fucking brat, but that's he all was he hot. was. Yeah, but that's all he was. He didn't do anything. He didn't try. He didn't have any ambition or anything. He was in the upstarts. Yeah, but he didn't do anything in the upstarts. He had killed his father and then he basically did nothing oh, yeah, after right. that. You know? Yeah. While the others were off doing things. So it would be cool to see him like get involved in like fighting or something. I don't I don't know. I just hope we see more. I, I hope we see more of him in a jacuzzi. <laughs> uh, so next comic we're talking about is X-Men number four. And I loved this issue. Um, I'd have a couple of minor problems with it. But yes, for the most my part... minor problem is where is Polaris? <laughs> That's a minor problem? That is the biggest problem with this series. Mm. Where is my girl? Also, why Gorgon? 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 Uh, like I've said before, I have no idea who this guy is, and now they're just like, oh, he's going to be, like, head of security with it's like, Cyclops. It's and like I'm that, just like, what? It's like that Gugon. Gugon. But it's oh, Gorgon. Oh, we had that at GameStop. So right. Tried taking off the... Those fucking labels are like herpes. You cannot get rid of them. <laughs> those labels are like herpes. Yeah. There's the episode title. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's going to know us about GameStop labels. <laughs> they do not come off. Fuck, <laughs> Yeah, I had stopped uh, being a, a gamer by the time GameStop came around. So I... Wow. I don't know about herpes. Okay. Sorry, guys. All right. I don't got the herpes. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I can't share in all this. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's from he's from Wolverine series. Yeah, but I've read all of that, too. Yeah. So I don't remember him. He didn't Whatever. leave a lasting impression. For me, the lasting impression that, that he made was um, in Norman Osborn's, I think, second team of Dark Avengers that he put together. Because, you know, in the first one, Ken was Dark right. Wolverine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Norman's second stab at it, it was Gorgon. Because Gorgon and Wolverine... Gorgon fucking hates Wolverine, so it was hilarious. Why? Norman- because, Patty, who the <laughs> fuck doesn't hate Wolverine? Because Wolverine fucks his girlfriend. Half the- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's why half of the X-Men hate Wolverine. I mean, come on. <laughs> Yeah, so but it was just it was funny because Gorgon was really mad and he wore the Wolverine costume and it was it was funny, but anyway, but still you know so this is an economic summit in Switzerland and so a lot of people were hyped for this and I was happy for them to be hyped but I'm like economic summit yeah, yeah. I was like wow this is a thrilling premise the what are the big fucking horns called that they have at soccer games I don't fucking know oh man I wish I knew the name a uh, big old trumpet boy yeah. Yeah, break out the fucking trumpets and the maracas and the marching bands. Get the army. Get some tanks. But this was, you know, listen, I feel like Hickman did a really amazing job. Okay. That's not what I was going to say. I was going to say there was so much talking. There was so much talking. It was just all talking, all the panels. And they were just, Magneto and Xavier were talking to all these diplomats or whatever the fuck. And some some guy scratches his head and he's like, oh, man, this thing is itchy. And, you know, Scott and Gorgon are there to be like bodyguards or whatever. So Xavier gives them a telepathic message like, oh, hey, there's guys trying to take us out. So they they go, they fight, they fuck shit up. And uh, this one guy keeps like touching an earpiece in the summit. And they're like, oh, are you waiting for somebody? 
to are you waiting for something and he's like uh no and they're like oh don't worry we already had our guys take him out take them out so you don't have to worry about that vuvuzelas vuvuzelas that's what they're called okay manchester united banned them from old trafford on august 13th 2010 fascinating if you guys were wondering why in old trafford that you weren't hearing those noises anymore you can blame manchester united but you guys know. Oh, um, well. Um, so, yeah, there's this whole, like, whole page. It's just a dinner menu, which I guess is an interesting concept if you're yes. going to add another page for us. Yeah. That has actual art on it and stuff, but no. It, it was. was. Just- but also, in addition to the fucking dinner menu, it brings us into the comic. We know what they're eating, you oh know? We know what the choices are. But also, it explained who, you know, who the people were. You had uh, fucking uh, Wakanda... Uh, Chinese and U.S. ambassadors, an academic from Brazil, business reps from Italy, Switzerland, and India. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. But really, this was this was basically just Magneto taking his large penis, putting mm-hmm. it on the table, and saying, Hello, everyone. This is your dinner. You may feast on my penis. <laughs> that was the literal fucking diet. No, it was amazing. But there was just... And why, why is that? I thought this was... Hickman did such a good job is because there was, you know, there was action... But the primary conflict was via dialogue. It was via the tense dialogue. And not every writer can accomplish that sort of thing. There, there's something more going on, but it's just all these people sitting at this fancy fucking dinner. And they looked fancy, by the way. And, uh, yeah, Magneto just kind of, like... Whipped out his dick. Yeah. Dicks out for Harambe. <laughs> No, because they they start to, like, politely call uh, the X-Men out. You know, like, what does this look like years from now? The lady from India is like, your borders are still closed. How can the deeper lure of trust be formed in isolation? And Apocalypse says, like, does it feel like we're hiding? Like, also, like, because none of these humans are actually taking into consideration how mutants have been treated is what it seems like to me, you know? Like, how successfully have mutants historically been spread out over the world? How well has that gone? Even when they were semi-united and there was Genosha, like, how the fuck did that turn out? And a human asks, how can we trust you? And mutants should say, like, you need to earn our trust. It shouldn't be the other way around. Um, But still, again, like, you you just feel, like, this fucking confidence coming out of Magneto because one of them is like, we're not sure if the weekly regimen of drugs is necessary. And Magneto is like, so if we choose to deliver the drugs in the most profitable profitable manner possible, it would have been a lesson you've taught us. Armaments, universal debt, planned obsolescence, aren't these three the pillars of Western prosperity? And that's amazing. Also, that's from an actual book I'm sure Hickman has memorized. Um, yeah, I thought that the way that they're, I guess, selling the drugs then is, is fucked up from what these people are saying that, you know, they're just going to be like another fucking big pharma. Yep. I get that they want to be like, yeah, just fuck, fuck humans, fuck everybody. But like, it's, it's messed up. There's so many people who deal with that shit already. And now there's going to be another fucking company doing it. Yeah. And, and mutants learned it from these people. And it's not even necessarily that overtly. It's, uh, you know, it's also, what was it? Later in the fucking issue, Magneto says, like, you leverage people with debt. And this is true. This is literally what is happening in 2020. 
you know, make them pay to be healthy, make them pay to become educated, make them pay you interest so they can have a place to live. Then you own them, you control them, and we will do the same. We will buy your banks, we will buy your schools, and we will buy your media, your politicians. And, you know, he's going to keep the people who fear and hate out of power. And that's amazing. That is literally the strategy to get and stay in power. And if you're upset about that, point at the fucking politicians in the United States or wherever the fuck you live because there's more going on in the world because this is but it's not literally just, what happens. It's not just screwing over the politicians, though. It's screwing over actual people. Oh, I agree. I agree. And, and it's and, fucked up. And when I'm, when I'm excusing it, I'm not excusing what's happening in the real world. But, like, I, I get goosebumps when I see someone like Magneto in the position to do this because he's not... I know it's going to run off and it's going to affect the fictional humans in the Marvel Universe, but I'm seeing him sit in front of a bunch of shitty humans and be like, this is what we're going to do to you powerful assholes. I feel like they could do other shit that doesn't have collateral damage, that just, like, fucks over, like, the top people. And may- if that was the case, then I'd be all for it. And maybe they will. There may very well be mutants who are partying on Krakow who don't know about this economic summit and what, you know, what, like, the most powerful mutants are planning. But also, I mean, at the same time, you can have some some sympathy for, you know, the humans who are just collateral damage. But look at what happened here. Because there was some action. It wasn't just them sitting around and talking. And I I get what you're saying, too. But I will just say again that I'm glad that this isn't happening in real life. (laughs) No, but it was a great issue. Like I said, it was just so, it was so tense. It was so much conveyed through dialogue and even through the art. You know, I mean, I've complained about Lenel Yu's art in this book before, and it wasn't like gorgeous here, but still, like some of the looks on Apocalypse's face. You know, when when uh, he sips the tea, and you know when they're like. Who cares what caused the end of the Bronze Age? And Apocalypse is like, you should care. I was alive then. And he sips his tea and somebody asks what caused the collapse of the Bronze Age? And he goes, me. <laughs> that was that was such a beautiful sequence of panels. If you say so. Patty, I mean, was I, wasn't, I wasn't crazy about this book. Okay. Um, it's, it's kind of like, meh. I mean, I feel like it would be on the bottom if it wasn't for how bad Fallen Angels was. Oh, yeah. Who's topping it? <laughs> uh, Marauders. So you're saying Bobby's a top? But I thought he was a bottom, looking he, for the top yeah. men. Has he found the top men? Has Bobby found those top <laughs> men since issue one? Those I are the hard questions. That. I did not. And I'm sure plenty of you guys out there have not forgotten about Bobby looking for the top men. No, I mean, I I really like this. I really did. I thought it was amazing to see, you know, Scott up there taking out all those soldiers by himself. And, you know, I kind of wish we had seen more from Gorgon. It'd be nice to see him in action. But it was even more badass, I think, to see the aftermath of his battle because he had cut an arm off of every one of those soldiers. It was it was interesting to see him say how, you know, in the past he would have cut off all their heads. But there are people who know war better than he does that you know he's following and i thought that was really cool but honestly you know i looked at this and i'm like it's another boys club uh have gene emma storm kate and mystique go with Ilyana and laura running security there's there's an even more interesting economic excuse me what excuse you polaris (laughs) okay that's fine Wait, Um, wait, wait let's have polaris uh uh-huh Dazzler Pixie. Oh, Dazzler. Definitely for the economics. Yeah, Dazzler yeah. knows all about economics. Boom, boom. She was going to be a lawyer. 
Boom, boom. And then, yes. and then for security, uh-huh. we'll have X23 and Gabby. <laughs> where is Gabby? Am I right? Yeah. Hashtag where Gabby at? <laughs> no, it was just, it was, it was, it was really interesting too, to see that, you know, there wasn't much dialogue when, when Scott was fighting the soldiers it was kind of told like a, a spy movie. You know how you had this sort of narration over that action that was happening bum, and bum, super secret. Bum, 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 bum. Scott Summers is James Bond. Bum, 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 Scott Summers bum, bum, is the next James Bond. What I'm saying is James Marston, who played Cyclops in the original uh, X-Men movies, should be the next James Bond. Okay. Yeah. Both their names are James. Yeah, that's true. It was true. meant to be. Yeah. It's fucking meant to be. Yeah, so anyway... Next comic we're talking about is New Mutants number five. And there were a bunch of things that I really loved about this issue. And then there were a couple of things that I really did not like about this issue. First, it opens with, you know, I mean, so, okay, uh, there's a, a couple of pages of recap, but at least it's entertaining. Yeah. Roberto, you know, kind of just being himself. And I think that's really interesting. I, I feel like he's the only character that uh, Hickman actually knows. Because, and and so the thing is, I feel like this was said in an interview before, well before Dawn of X started, is that it was going to be team books, but not team books in the traditional sense. So what we're seeing are sort of solo books with people around them. That's what I've been saying about this one. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I've, I've been right there with you. Absolutely. Because when you look at Marauders, primarily... Um, it's been Kate, with a little bit of an exception, but primarily Kate. X-Men has been Cyclops, and Fallen Angels has been Psylocke. Yep. Um, so yeah, so this is, you know, this is Roberto. But it's it's cute as fuck, you know, because he mentions how Brazilians love birds, and he's like, I'm from Brazil, and Deathbird is like, stop staring at me. <laughs> so fantastic. The art, of course, is gorgeous. Rod Reese is fucking amazing i hope this man becomes a fucking superstar off of this because i really honestly feel like he he deserves it if any of these artists do he's the one that needs to be a fucking breakout star from this no i agree the art is gorgeous uh he made he made Deathbird look fucking awesome yeah and just like there was one panel with magic that was just so cool yeah. Uh, where she's just, like, in the middle of a portal. Oh, yeah, and she's like, uh, yeah, I'm going to go take care of the other boarding party. Yeah. Like, by herself. Yeah, she looks fucking badass. He's just, he's really, really good. So what's going on now is, like, we, we know from a few issues ago when the story left off is they got to get Deathbird back to the Shi'ar throne world. Um, New mutants are there to protect her. Uh, and, of course, this isn't going to just happen peacefully. But what's weird is... Gladiator is talking about how Deathbird's going to come home and he's telling Oracle about it. And then Oracle goes and talks to this squad of fucking Death Commandos to go take them out. So what I'm wondering is if Oracle is fucking betraying the Shi'ar throne and Gladiator or if Gladiator knows this is going to happen and wants it to happen. Like, we are, we don't have to keep things on the DL. Yeah, we don't know exactly yet why, but we know that this is fucking happening uh, again, I'm going to say I love data pages, and I'm sure, again, Patty is going to disagree with me. <laughs> I love the data pages on these fucking death commandos. It was so super... stupid. Why? It was so interesting. And, and okay, but I'll, I'll say why. I could see why somebody would be like, oh, yeah, this was, this was annoying or this was stupid. I think it's interesting because... Jonathan Hickman <clears throat> mansplains the X-Men. This is... No, because, like... This is a bunch of characters, these random space death commandos that could be faceless villains just to be fucking killed or, or whatever. And, you know, sure, they may be, but he's trying to give them some background. And I think that's interesting. You know, I kind of like, 
he's telling us what's what's happening, but still leaving enough to the imagination. It's like Wait, a... it doesn't even say which one is which. You're just reading all of this information, just like fucking like 20 paragraphs worth of information and you're just supposed to remember and it, it and like, apply it to each person it, it doesn't like make sense 10 paragraphs right okay. no but like he 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 um described one as like bug like so when you if you turn a couple of pages back you can see the one that was like a bug another one he described yes, I love having to flip pages <laughs> I'm sorry now that we're digital it's you have to click back a little bit and you can't a pain just flip. in the ass <laughs> No, but I thought it was neat, and that's why I think so. It pulled you in a little bit more, but I liked how there was one named Sega. Yes. Like, I know that's, like, a Japanese word, and, like, it's a Japanese company, you know, the fucking video game company that was a console company once upon a time, but I thought that was really funny, because it said that Sega cannot be depended upon in a a fight, and I'm like, it sounds like Sega don't do what Nintendo don't. Am I right, 90s kids? Only 90s kids remember. You weren't you weren't around uh, for that campaign, where you don't remember. I that. was. Sega Sega does what Nintendo yes, don't. I remember that. I don't know if I actually remember that from when <laughs> it aired, or if I was a baby mm-hmm. and too busy shitting my pants. No, somebody that I used to work with showed me the commercials. Oh, I'm glad he was a he was a Sega fanboy, and he <laughs> said that, and I'm like, why do you even like Sega? It's so stupid. The controller is so uncomfortable. Listen, I think it's back in the day. It was perfectly okay to like Sega. What I didn't understand is why, like you said, a Sega fanboy, why there were people who liked it over Nintendo. That it didn't make any sense. That I, I don't get. Excuse and, me, Zelda is not on Sega. And like, okay? like for, to be honest, I don't remember my fr- any of my friends and I having like that argument over what was better. We may have, and I just don't remember it, but... It was kind of just like, oh, you have this system? Great, let's fucking play, you know? I remember being amazed by Sega CD, to be honest, you know? But but still. Really? Yeah, I was. I mean, when I was... I was impressionable, young boy. I think... But it was neat. PS1 was. and N64 came out around the time I was in first grade, and that's, like, around the time I remember having systems. But I didn't really have any friends, so I don't know what systems they had. But we had a PS1 and a Game Boy Colors, so... Like, yeah. I don't remember anybody being, like... Oh, well, my neighbors had an N64 and we had a PS1. So it was just kind of like I wanted both, but my mom wouldn't let me get both. So we just kind of like played what games we wanted on theirs. Like we would go and play Smash like every weekend. Okay. Yeah, no, for me, it wasn't, you know, I had um, a friend who lived around the corner. He got all the new Sega systems that came out. I had another friend that lived down the street. That's all he did was just play video games all day. His parents got him every single system. He Lucky had, bitch. He had the 32X. He had the fucking Super Scope. He had fucking everything that came out. And so for me, it wasn't about the competition of systems, although I did prefer Nintendo and Super Nintendo over it. It was more about, okay, what games you have that we could play, you know? Yeah. There was uh, some fucking... Well, I can't even hold the Genesis controller unless it's the six-button one because the controller is too clunky for me. I didn't really mind it so much, although I did have a six-button controller for... Um, because I had Street Fighter Two right, Championship, yeah. but uh, and yeah, like playing Mortal Kombat, you needed you you needed the six button controller for fighting games. 
But uh, like uh, it was called Power Stone. That was a dope fucking yeah. fighting game. It was for for Sega. But then you know, then there was fucking Goldeneye. That was for sixty four. So yeah, it was just about you know what game are we gonna play? Anyway, that's uh, it was a nice uh, little rant about video games. But one of the things that I did not like about all of this uh, was Mondo and Chamber. First, they agree that magic is an animal, and then you know when the fucking Death Commandos actually show up, they decide to ignore the the call to come and, and help martinis yeah instead which is a mood yeah i mean okay so it's supposed to be a little funny but i'm like this that's kind of fucked up i know they don't really belong you know with these classic new mutants and you know, they weren't part of that team they're not all like friends from way back but they did agree to to go you know what i mean and i think it's kind of shitty characterization of them although i know chamber is kind of emo and he can be shitty sometimes I just, I thought that was kind of messed up. Suddenly, the yeah, the comms are jammed. The fucking death commandos actually show up. All the women were hanging out together doing lady things. You know? Karma, Danny, Rain, and Ilyana just walk out of a room together. Like, well, the, the boys... Sexy pillow fight. The, the boys need us to do something. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, what's what's the lady's name again? Smasher? Yeah, Smasher. Uh, Smasher wouldn't let Cypher, like work with the computers which is fucking stupid but he was like uh can i can i do it now and they're like fine fine so he finds out that uh you know there's this like death squad out to murder them all yeah so magic is like oh i'm captain and (laughs) just immediately takes over yeah oh that was great it was really funny that uh we got to see karma do something for once it was really cute she was like punch yourself punch yourself Tell and, me uh, something nice. Tell me something nice, and the and the thing goes, your skin's your skin's too soft, but I like your shiny leg. And she goes, punch yourself. And then she just like starts dancing. Oh my god, with the peace signs up. That's it was, so it was cute. really cute. So cute. And and that's you know great. And you know magic decided to go off on her own to deal with the other. And then boarding we get party. the fucking bullshit where we see that uh, Hickman is you know doesn't know any characters. Because he has magic say this line of like, oh, do you want to make out? Do you want to make out? Do you want to make out? And then the one is like, the sexy one is like, yeah, unfortunately I'm working. And then next page, back in the the fucking Death Commando ship, the guy is like, oh, we lost three. And I thought that that was hilarious. And it is hilarious. It's okay to find that hilarious. Also, it it doesn't work. It is not magic's character. It is so out of character. I mean, like, I could see Boom Boom saying that. I could see maybe any of the other New Mutants saying that, other than Rain. But, like, I've just been wanting Ileana, and a lot of other people, too, have been wanting Ileana to be ace for so long that it's, like, super disappointing. Yeah. There needs to be more queer people in general in comics, but, like... At the same time, you know, people are like, oh, well, she's bi now or she's gay now or whatever. And I'm like, you already have one. (laughs) We don't have any. Yeah, you have one. We have zero. Yeah, I I absolutely get that. I I do. I mean, you know, and and if people are like, you know, if if they want to say that she's bi or she's gay or whatever, and, you know, people are disappointed that she may not actually be ace. Like, I think that's okay to be disappointed. If people are happy, okay, let them be happy. But if people are disappointed, also try to understand why they're disappointed. It's not like anybody is disappointed that, oh, man, she's fucking gay? Ugh, that's gross. I hate that shit. You know, like, we're not, 
We're not we're not those homophobes that were like, oh, Iceman's not gay, bitch. My Iceman. You know, it's we want people want we want queer representation, but when you just you know just think about it and try to understand why people might be disappointed or might not read it this way, and somebody pointed out, you know, like that might not necessarily have even fucking meant anything. You know, that is like part of her character. You know, to be, like, really messed up and, like, in your face and then just fucking go cut you. You know what I mean? You know, that she didn't necessarily mean, oh, let's make out. Like, really, like, we're going to make out. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like I used to say, like, weird shit like that, too, because I was, like, self-conscious about who I really was. And I feel like that's a thing that, like, some aces go through. But... I don't feel like it's that deep. I just feel like Hickman doesn't know characters. So, yeah. So, I did think that that was badass and, and hilarious. She got a little bit of the spotlight there. But, I mean, even even if you... It, because people will point at her relationship with Kitty, you know, when she was Kitty historically, and be like, oh, you know, well, well there was that. But it's still... Yana never came out and was, like, explicitly... Like that. And so, again, I feel like, you know, sometimes Hickman goes for this humor and it ends up just, you know, being funny in a way, but also like, bro, you didn't need to do that. And a great example of that recently was from X-Men number three when he had the woman from Horde Culture call out Emma's fucking pussy or whatever. I think she even might have used the fucking slang. Of course, it was like bleeped out, but... You know, like, like that wasn't necessary. You know what I mean? Yeah, ends ends the whole cat fight bullshit. But, I mean, I do think that Ileana is at least, like, bi or homo-romantic. I sure. still think that she's asexual because she obviously had a thing for Kitty. But, I, I mean, you know, that doesn't preclude her from being asexual. I mean, here I sure. am being asexual and having, you know, been dating this guy for almost six years, so... It happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm a statistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so listen, I, I, for the most part, I enjoyed this issue. I, I, like I said, I didn't like how Mondo and Chamber were just kind of off. And then they fucking flew out into space at the end. They're maybe dead, you know? I don't really like how the women are getting treated, you know, so Roberto gets the spotlight. Like, Oyana was badass, but I need more still. Maybe I'm just greedy. I don't know. Karma has barely fucking said yeah, anything in the three issues she's been in. And this thing with magic, you know. And, and here's the thing. And, and after, you know, reading this and X-Men, reading them um, recently, you know, I mean, I pointed out how, you know, he hasn't done the greatest job writing women recently. Just in a handful of issues that we've had. It's not been that many. And it's kind of surprising compared to the way that he wrote Emma and wrote Moira and House of X and Powers of Ten. Like, even if... I know you didn't like that at all. But I still thought that they were written like badasses. And Rasputin, too, you know? So it's kind of weird to see how he wrote women pretty well in that crossover series. Compared to what he's doing now in these two series that he's writing. It's not very good. And that's just for women. Like I said, I love New Mutants. I love this recent issue of X-Men. But I don't feel like he's doing very much for for women. Yeah, no. The Glob New Mutant stuff, I think, is a lot better. Really? Just saying, yeah. Really? I'm like the only one who thinks that, but yeah, it's true. I don't, I don't feel like, but I don't feel like you're the only one, but... I haven't seen anyone else agree with me. Uh, I've seen a couple of people, I think on Instagram in the comments, that they have been waiting to get 
back to that, which is kind of surprising. I love both, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Anyway, last new comic we're talking about is Excalibur number five. This was a this is all right issue. It was there. Kind of in the middle of the road. Yeah. I I said last time we talked about Excalibur because it it still is. It's uh, not, you know, overwhelmingly terrible like Fallen Angels. Yeah. To me, this is not a bad series. And there are women in it. But it's... (laughs) Oh, and it's written by a woman. Yeah. But it's not, it's not bad, but it's not great. I just think it's kind of middle of the road. I am enjoying it, but I'm not amazed by it. I will say, though, that I do love the art. I love Marcus Toe on art. And especially in this issue, we're finally getting Rogue back and walking around and conscious. Even though some of it is just, like, in her own head. I thought that the art and um, not just, like, the pencils, but also the colors, too, were gorgeous. We have uh, Captain Britain and Pete Wisdom fighting monsters in the streets, and it seemed like Pete Wisdom was flirting a little bit with Betsy. Oh, he was flirting a lot with Betsy. He uh, he was a little annoying, and uh, I immediately saw why some people don't like him, because there are some people who really don't like him. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Because he's British. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, man. Listen, the the British people have enough to deal with right now, all right? Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Let's not add mutant musings. Wait, what's going on with them? They're they're taking the step back from from the royal hood. Oh yeah, they're moving out of grandma's house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's not add mutant musings insulting the British Empire. <laughs> and they just got that uh other oh, like Trump kind of guy. Yeah, he's been there for a little bit. But, yeah, I know. It's but it's recent though. He's official again. Yeah, he got uh he got he got born again presidented. <laughs> We were just talking about that earlier. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, so so fucking uh, Rogue is with a hot dog. Huh? You guys get it? I get it. There's a, a dog made out of fire. Yeah. It's a hot dog. I get it. <laughs> yeah. But it was cute because Rogue is like, this can't be hell. Dogs don't go to hell. I figured <laughs> that would be like your favorite line. That ever. was really cute. I, I, I thought about you when I read that. It's weird, though. You know, the art's a little trippy. I don't really get it. But, you know, there's like these Easter Island statues, but they're sentinel heads and an X symbol. And then Apocalypse appears and spits a beam. But, yeah, I just I loved the art. And more things are starting to come together a little bit, even though it's kind of just like, okay, sure. Um, Shogo's fire melted parts of Otherworld, which caused a hole for creatures from Otherworld to come through. So, sure, let's let's fucking fight them. Gambit, you know, before Gambit and Richter uh, joined uh, the artist formerly known as Apocalypse and the rest of them to fight, they stopped by Krakoa and Gambit decided to have the telepaths give uh, Rogue a little nudge to wake up. And, you know, the artist formerly known as Apocalypse is is mad. Um, And so you can tell that he knew it would happen to her. He's like the fucking cosmic timing. So you know that he's been planning this shit. I didn't. I thought that he did it on purpose to yeah. her. I thought he did it, not that he knew it was going to happen. Well, I mean, she touched the fucking thing, you I, know. Yeah, I mean, she I had to do the that. Same thing. But but then fucking Gambit and Apocalypse start having his back and forth, and Gambit had his fucking like knuckles together and like charged up and ready to fuck some shit up. So yeah, you get like uh, Apocalypse admits that he's behind all of this. The fucking weeds growing in in fucking Morgan's fucking pool. Rogue basically starting this whole fucking problem. He wanted this all to happen. You know, but, but why? The, hmm? But why? But I don't think we know for sure yet. Okay. I would assume it's because 
Apocalypse now apparently has this magical background, sort of, yeah, and part of his history. Like, I, I think that's believable. He's been around for thousands of fucking years. He probably dabbled in magic at some point, you know, in his past. I feel like that's believable. Okay. Um, uh, what I feel like is he wants other worlds for himself. He wants to annex other worlds. And have that maybe be part of Krakoa. Maybe, you know, that's his own little fucking magic land. Okay. And then, uh, so the dog turns out to be Rachel. That was cute. And she had a hound. Do you yes, get that? I a get hound. it. Yes. And then Rogue, Rogue calls her prestige. That's and, how you know. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I didn't think Rachel was good name for dog. Or, or the other way around. I forget. Uh, it but doesn't it was, matter. Prestige. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Prestige it was is cute. a good name for nothing. And no that's one. correct. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to forget that that happened. Apparently we're not. Motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, so Apocalypse actually slams Gambit into the ground. You know, as as sexy as it was to see Gambit, like, crack his knuckles ready to punch, I, my money is on Apocalypse in that fight. I'm sorry. But Richter used the magic from these fucking stones to save Gambit. Which was also confusing to me. Yeah, we don't know exactly what so they Apoc- did. Apocalypse called them bones from some fucking magical mutant or something from, you know, however long ago. I, I, we'll find out more as we go along. So but... they're like fossil fuel. Yeah, yeah. Oil. They were like these green little rock things. Yeah, kryptonite. And, uh, yeah, and uh, <laughs> he threw one and it did something to save Gambit, yeah, and now we'll it's it, not green anymore. We'll call it Richter Knight. How about yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. And then Apocalypse is like, you did what? Yeah. To save this guy? And then Rogue wakes up and she's like, nobody hurts my baby. And Oh, she was so badass. Just fucking flying and knocking him out. So... She, like, starts absorbing him, and he's like, yes, mommy, more. Whoa. <laughs> um, n- okay, so not exactly, but he's like, yes, those yeah. green things That's were- what Apocalypse sounds like. Yes, queen. Those bones were, like, 10,000 years old, and I'm older than those bones, so just kill me and absorb my power, and you can activate this gate? I don't remember what the bones were supposed to do. Don't matter. She killed him. Yeah, she She killed him. She fucking killed him. And she turned into Apocalypse. The rogue Apocalypse. Yep. She looked real cool. Yeah. And she wanted a welcome back kiss. Yeah. On her rogue apocalypse. Aww. I make that joke too often. I, I it started is, it, though. It is the perfect joke. It was my joke. <laughs> I said because he's got apocalyptic. <laughs> oh, I do remember that. What exactly. The, when the fuck was that? I don't fucking know. God damn it. So, yeah, I, I just, I feel like there's like just so many different ideas that are going on in this series. You know, I'm waiting for them to start more explicitly tying together like i sort of i sort of get it but i feel like this book is very hard to follow i mean i guess i can see that because that's sort of what i'm i'm getting at that there's like just so many different things happening all over the place and some feel like they're being tied together and then in other ways it raises sort of more questions i don't know again it's not it's not bad i am following it it's just i'm i'm waiting for more resolution when i feel like there's just more being set up instead by issue five of the same arc you know yeah so i don't know i still like it i i really i do and the art is fucking great I'm I'm also extremely happy that Rogue is awake now. I know, I finally. Am. Uh, bring the hot dog back. Let Rachel join the team in hot dog form. 
That, <laughs> that would be great. So, does Sega do what Nintendo don't? Would you give Rogue a welcome back kiss on her apocalypse? Don't fly away, my beautiful death birds. We'll be right back after the commercial break. Hey, guess what? Mutant Musings is doing a giveaway with artist Steven Gertz. You can find a link to his shop in the show notes of this very episode to check out his awesome work. He's made over 50 X-Men character stickers, including Rogue, Dazzler, Storm, Richter, Dark Vale, Jean Grey, Wolverine, Pixie, and many more. And you can win up to any eight stickers of your choice completely free if you can answer this question correctly. Who was the actress attached to play Dazzler in the ill-fated 1980s live-action Dazzler movie? Who was the actress? Think about it. Google it. Ask a friend. But get the correct answer, and you'll be entered to win free stuff. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram so you can get us the answer to that question, and you can win super cute, free X-Men stickers. Make sure you follow Mutant Musings on Twitter or Instagram to get us those answers and be entered to win. Good morning to all you extremists out there. It's the Extreme Cast with Adam X. And Madam X to the max. Brought to you by Mountain Dew and Pepsi Max. Hey, Madam the Extreme, you know what I love? What's that, Adam the Extreme? My fucking backwards baseball hat. To the max. Hey, Adam the Extreme, you know what I love? What's that, Madam the Extreme? Geekhead.com. What in Jesus' Jinko jeans is that? This is awesome geeky website for extreme geeks. If you love Star Wars, anime, video games, and horror movies, then you'll love Geekhead.com to the max! By God's goatee, look at all of these podcasts and articles on Geekade.com, and they even have YouTube and Twitch channels? You bet your sweet rat tail, Geekade.com has geeky articles, podcasts, YouTube, and Twitch channels. To the max! There's so much geeky fun on Geekade.com, it looks like we're going to be cutting the extreme cash short today. Cutting it short with my extreme spikes! Check out Geekade.com, to the max! <laughs> Oh, that's a spicy meatball. <laughs> hey, Patty, guess what trailer came out? What trailer came out? Lock and key. <laughs> the, new, the new Mutants trailer. What? Do you guys know that? New Mutants trailer came out? And here we are. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Look at us. Who would have thought? <laughs> I still don't believe it's going to come out until it actually comes out. Why are you trying to hurt me live on air? I'm sorry. I know you're excited for it. I'm... I will be excited for it as well. <laughs> I thought the trailer was... Now, listen, the movie itself may not end up being great or very good. But I will say that this trailer was fucking awesome. Because you get like a miniature spotlight on each one of them. And I thought that that was really cool and really well done. So, yeah, there's not, you know, not a ton to say about it. I do think it's weird that, I'm not the only one who pointed this out, that Sam, it looks like the energy is coming out of his arms. Like, I have a feeling that's how he's going to blast off. I don't think it's going to come just from his arms. At least I hope not, but I guess we'll see. But, yeah. But I guess want? I wasn't paying that much attention to it. Um, no, you know how I don't like trailers. Yeah, um, I know, but thanks for watching. I was surprised that you watched it. Ugh, I really didn't want to, but I figured you were going to want to talk about it, so I had to watch it. Jeez. 
I don't know. I don't feel like trailers give any indication at all about how movies are going to do. They just spoil things, and that's why I didn't want to watch it. So, that's fine. Fair. I mean, it didn't really spoil anything. It didn't really give anything. So, well, um, I mean, it gave like a little bit of Ileana, and that was really cool. Did you but, like that? Yeah. I'm glad you um, liked that. It's just like kind of weird seeing them like live action, you know? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like people are going to be, like, walking around with magic shirts and I'm going to want to punch them. (laughs) You should get a magic shirt now before all the fucking hype. I mean, I got you that Women of New Mutant shirt a long time ago. Yeah. Um, This renewed the light washing debate. Yeah. uh, Which there's not really a debate. It is light washing. But the debate is people calling it out and other people like, whoa. Why are you doing it now? You didn't do it oh, then. Gosh. Well, yeah, people did do it then. I th- we might have. I, I was. Yeah, I, I remember you were. But it, it it is a thing, you know, because for those of you who don't know, Roberto is actually like Afro-Brazilian. Like, you know, his, his dad. You look at his dad is black. Roberto is black. He's dark skinned, you know. Um, and like the first issue that he was in, too, yeah. it was kids making fun of him for being black. And that's. Stuff that happens all the time in, like, every country, they're kind of, like, divided by, you know, by racism, too. And it's, like, if you're light-skinned, you're, like, better, you know? And that's, like, how it's viewed. And and as it is, it's harder for, you know, dark-skinned actors to get roles. Like, I don't blame, you know, the actors, and I don't think that they're bad people. There were probably a a lot more decisions that went into this, but, you know... I mean, Henry Zaga, who's playing Sunspot, he is Brazilian, but, you know, he's not Afro-Brazilian. Yeah. Like, they could have gotten an actor for that. Um, Also, Cecilia Reyes is, like, Puerto Rican. Rican. Well, the actual actress, she's also Brazilian. I forget her name. Yeah, she's she's Brazilian. I forget her name, um, but she's another, you know, uh, Brazilian who has light skin. We know Cecilia Reyes is from Puerto Rico, and she has darker skin. So it's, it's yeah, I mean, it's like if they cast Miles Morales in a live movie, and you know he's he's black and Puerto Rican, and if they just cast like a light skinned Puerto Rican, people would be pissed. Yeah, and yeah. rightly so. If Miles Morales was was light skinned, yeah, of course, of course they would. You know, I mean, th- this is important. This is important. This sort yeah, of representation, I mean, yeah, representation matters. Exactly. So if so, anyway, before we get off too much on a tangent, I just I I feel like. There are people who are really pissed about this and expressing that, and I say let them do it, um, and we will support you. Uh, fucking, you know, if there are people who actually want to boycott this movie, that's fine too. If if this movie were coming out on schedule, I probably wouldn't mind, and I would say, hey, let's wait a little longer. You can call me a hypocrite and call me an asshole, but I've been waiting so long for this that I do want to see this in the in the theaters. Unless Patty gives me a hard time and says no, we're going to boycott it, and then I'll eventually say fine, I'll give in, and then we'll we'll wait and we'll you know see it some other way. I don't feel way. like you would ever give in to anything. Whoa, me? Yeah, yeah, I've never given in before. You when you're are like, the most stubborn. What are you talking about? Absolutely not. Oh my god, Patty. You are, you want to go see this fucking anime movie next week that doesn't even start until way past my bedtime, (laughs) until right near my bedtime in a town far away from where I live. I'm going to be the one driving. I'm dropping you off home before I have to drive back home. I'll drive you home. Patty, have you heard one complaint out of me until right this moment? No. (laughs) I was going to keep it all to myself and be like, this is going to make Patty happy. 
But you know what? If I'm so stubborn, then fine. Fucking, I don't know what I'm going to do, but it's going to be stubborn, and it's going to annoy you. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, for uh, this month's Mutant Memories, Spotlight we're giving is Next Wave, which came out to 2006 and 2007 by Warren Ellis and Stuart Eminen. I graduated middle school. And this was going to work out pretty nicely because... The reason why we get to talk about this is, A, it's our damn show, and we're going to do what we want. And uh, Jonathan loves it. But, B, uh, Boom Boom is in it. There's B a mutant. Boom Boom. She gets a pass. Uh, and, C, when we, when, when we were going to record this episode, would have coincided with an issue of New Mutants we were going to discuss with Boom Boom in it. We <laughs> ended up having to move <laughs> that. So because Patty didn't want to, it's okay. You were sick, you know. Yeah. I mean, and if I don't feel like doing something, I'm not doing it. I'll just lay on the ground, and you have to carry <laughs> me. Now who's stubborn? <laughs> That's what I'm gonna do next Thursday. We go see that movie. I'm gonna lay on the ground, but on a towel because I'm a germaphobe and I'm not laying on the naked ground. And you're gonna have to carry me. Okay. <laughs> But when I break my back, you're going to feel real bad. Whatever. I'll be too busy laying on a towel. (laughs) So I thought that this was a pretty great series. I did not read this when it was coming out. I don't even remember how I heard about it. It was a couple of years after it was already done. It was at least in 2010 because I remember getting it from the Joker's Child. And that's when I started going to that shop regularly. And I just bought it all at once. Uh, I, I must have heard somehow how fucking hilarious and great it was. So I was like, all right, sure, I'll give it a shot. And and I loved it. I absolutely loved it at the time. I have now read it a couple more times, especially recently, and it doesn't quite have the same impact, but I still think it is a great and very entertaining series. And I don't feel like every creative team, writer and artist, could have pulled off this level of entertainment like these two did. This read like a fucking action comedy like like sort of like rush hour but better but reading this is even fucking better and more hilarious than any of these like action comedies that come out now you know what i mean i remember you talking about this like probably almost the whole time we've been together and when you're like oh you need to read this book it's so good and then you know when we were playing uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, and you played Elsa. I was like, who the fuck is this? And you were like, oh, she's from Next Wave. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that thing that you keep mentioning to me. <laughs> so eventually uh, I had nothing to do at work, and so I figured to just read it. I read it pretty much all in one day. I wasn't really crazy about it as a whole. I didn't think it was too funny. I thought that there were some pages that were funny, but as a whole, I think that they did a real, like, character assassination of Boom Boom and made her, like, too dumb, like a caricature of herself. That is true. That is, that is, they did make her too... Which, like, I feel like they're doing now in in New Mutants. With the whole drunk thing. With the whole drunk thing. And I'm like, is this going to be, like, a running gag? Is she going to, you know, go to AA, like, Siren, and Siren's going to, like, help her? overcome her addiction or is she just wow. supposed to be like that? a fucking bumbling like a, drunk like a funny like to be the town funny drunk. drunk 
That's really interesting. Because, like, I'm a fun drunk, too, but, you know, it's not like I'm going on missions and just getting wasted and fucking shit up. I'm glad you're not going on <laughs> missions and fucking shit up, because I don't know about these missions that you're fucking shit up. Unless you consider MAGFest a mission, you fucked my feet up, you know? If that was a... No, I'm just kidding. You didn't fuck my feet up. That's, that's when that's I was okay. sober. <laughs> now, that, that would actually be a really interesting story. You know, if that's if that's a route that Ed Brisson was going, which I don't think he is, to have Boom Boom become like a maybe an alcoholic and Siren helps her. That's I'm sure that's not the route, but that is an interesting thought. I wouldn't go so far as character assassination. I love Boom Boom, but I feel like this is going to sound shittier than I mean it. I feel like she's a hard character to assassinate. You know what I mean? She's always been like dumb and lovable and funny. It's just this took it a couple of steps too far. I don't know if I would call it assassination yeah, they kind of in my it, opinion anyway they kind of made it like a caricature that's yeah and that's like, definitely true but like spelling I, her own name wrong yeah <laughs> that was like, dumb as fuck <laughs> like i don't know but she would but she was like endearingly funny a lot of the time you had mentioned we would we talked about this a little bit um before now you know and you had mentioned how her talking in questions and i feel like that's a thing that happened in society or at least in the media portraying how society was maybe not so much now people talking in questions you know like and they don't have to be questions so like how you're talking now yeah so he wanted to go to the bathroom with me and he was like trying to take off my clothes and he was totally wearing a superhero costume that's a way that like people like i remember when i was a little bit younger in the mid 2000s like in my early mid 20s how some of like my friends were were talking and just being obsessed with their phones and calling people like you know i don't you don't think about that too much now but yeah i mean i had an acquaintance who would sometimes pretend she was getting phone calls which we weren't obviously supposed to know but somebody had figured out because i think they took her phone and saw when the calls were coming in and i was like wow but it was yeah that was because it was like you're, you're popular you know you're always getting yeah. phone calls from your friends um so I think that part of that is like the time to, I think, I don't know. The mid 2000s were a little bit of a blur for me. I was a different person. <laughs> well, that's, that's most of my life that I remember actually. Um, but mid 2000s. Yeah. That's a big impression on Patty. I mean, that's like, uh, you know, like middle school, high school age for me. So. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. God, I graduated. Oh my God. I wonder if they're doing anything for my like 10 year reunion if that's a thing no i think or that, how i would find out about that i'm pretty sure that that's a thing and i thought about that too around my 10 year and I, I couldn't find anything you know i'm a few years off from the 20 year i don't know um social media is an easy way to to find people i guess I'm, I'm friends with the you know a handful of people that i i grew up with on facebook i don't know if i'd want to go i mean i didn't even graduate you know <laughs> so i don't even know if they would fucking in, invite me um you know, uh i actually got kicked out of high school guys so yeah but Stay in school yeah if you're in school first of all um you better be at least 18 years old i do the explicit content warning every fucking time but yeah stay in school no but anyway i listen i overall i i really you know my comparison to rush hour was probably very stupid but that's what i just want to get at that this was this was almost cinematic in the way that it was drawn and it, and it was written you know like these weren't throwaway action pieces that Eminem was drawing. They were all fucking gorgeous, and they they meant something. And, you know, the dialogue over a lot of them was just a lot of fun. 
You know, I mean, to me, this series was a lot of fun, and it was it was really funny. And and an interesting thing too is that this wasn't really too. First of all, this wasn't too deep. You know, we keep saying like it's supposed to be funny or whatever, like an action comedy. This is not a deep book. None of the main characters are given too much depth. It's very superficial, and it still sort of works because each one of the story arcs in this series, it's 12 issues. There are six story arcs. Each one lasts exactly two issues before it moves on to the next one. So yeah, none of it is too deep. And honestly, this series introduced a new character, gave him sort of a backstory, did some characterization, but there wasn't a whole lot to the captain. You know, there's still a lot that's sort of unknown. But it managed to do it. It managed to give the origin of its powers. Managed to give you a glimpse into his childhood. You know, I'm assuming what was his mom literally hung his teddy bear fucking from the ceiling and that traumatized him. When he got his powers, it was those fucking aliens and he was drunk walking down the streets of fucking Brooklyn and they'd bestowed this great power on him and then he knocked one out with a beer bottle and punched the other one in the face and vomited on them because he bent over. <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious. I didn't even realize that was a new character. Yeah, the captain. This was his first appearance. And if I remember correctly, he's only had one or two other appearances outside of this. And I don't even remember where. He's not a character that anybody else decided to pick up. But he's a character you could do something with. He could be like, you know, this fucking shitty asshole sort of fucking superhero-ish. But, you know, this 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 whole thing starts from... Um, you know, the team next wave, there's the captain, there's Elsa Bloodstone, there's uh, Meltdown, there's Monica Rambeau, and there's uh, Machine Man. They're agents of hate, the highest anti-terrorism effort, and they're supposed to be fighting against uh, Silent, a terrorist cell, which is actually the Beyond Corporation. The Beyond Corporation used to be Silent, it's a terrorist cell, and it turns out that hate is part of the Beyond Corporation. Next Wave finds this out, and they're like, well, fuck, you are awful. We can't fucking work for you anymore. And the leader of hate is this guy, Dirk Anger, who is, you know, an asshole. He fucking yells at everybody around him. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I'm a big macho man. I, I smoke 200 cigarettes every day and 100 cigars and a bottle of whiskey and three bottles of wine with dinner. And, like, so he's just kind of also like a caricature of uh fury yeah i mean anger fury same thing uh-huh nick dirk whatever same thing <laughs> oh they could have called him dick dick anger dick anger yeah you got that dick anger yeah yeah <laughs> you know dirk anger you know once next wave is like well fuck you guys we're gonna take down the beyond corporation dirk anger has to go after next wave he fails spectacularly and eventually starts trying to kill himself. And it's just, it's absolutely fucking ridiculous. And yeah, the first thing, the first villain that they fight against is Fin Fang Foom. They have to stop him from destroying a town. The Beyond Corporation is trying to dig him up and, and let him out. And then there's fucking the, the reoccurring villains in this, though, that are part of the Beyond Corporation are broccoli people. They're human resources of the Beyond Corporation. Literally, these fucking robot-looking motherfuckers that are driving around all the time going after Next Wave. They're apparently made from kale or something? I think it was Machine Man at one point was like, yeah, they have more in common with broccoli than with people. 
Uh, so that's supposed to be like a joke about how Phoenix destroyed the celery planet? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sure. Why not? But this entire series is basically like just making fun of the the superhero genre. And there's more. Yeah, you, I guess. There's more you can read into it. There is. I think so. Yeah. Because you have, like I said, these HR goons, the fucking broccoli men, they're all just replaceable. Just grow some new villains. And throw them after the heroes. And it doesn't fucking matter. How many new fucking supervillains, how many original ideas are there out there? Keep throwing the same fucking supervillains at the same heroes all the fucking time. You know? That's kind of how I looked at it. Yeah, there's all there's fucking, like, communist monkeys. There's a bunch of Stephen Hawkings. There's Nightcrawlers, Elvis Modocs. All these stupid different things. Just, like... And it's just, on each page, it's like a fucking splash page of each one of those villains, and, you know, the team is fighting it. So I just feel like it's sort of making fun of the ridiculousness of supervillains. Yeah, I guess. And making fun of superheroes, too, because there was, like, the one thing between Monica Rambeau and Captain America where, uh, you know, he's like, Monica, go back to the tower and make me dinner. And uh, fucking Cable, uh, at one point, Meltdown is like, Oh, we used to work with X-Force and Cable, and Cable's holding up this giant gun where he's like, uh, Tabitha, quickly, to me, my ex-bait, help me lift my gun. Techno-organic prolapse imminent. So, and he's just fucking, yeah, just making fun of heroes and fucking villains. What I find so funny about all of that is the one portion of this entire series that seemed to get serious was the actual, like, dumb villains. It was, what was it, issue 9, where we're introduced to a couple of, like, new characters and one character who's who's been around for a very long time. There's this fucking scientist who's a counterpart of Hank Pym. There is another guy who's a counterpart of the Hulk, another one who's a counterpart to Captain America, and Forbushman, who is from the Marvel joke series, not Brand Ech. That's been around for fucking decades. And as Forbushman is talking, it's like really dark. You can barely see him and make out the fucking, you know, uh, helmet that he wears. And he's like, in 1999, when the sun went out, I'm the one who reignited it and made sure the fucking rays got here in time so nobody noticed. I kicked an asteroid behind the moon so it wouldn't hit Earth. I met Charles Xavier once. He laughed at my hat. And it's, like, really dark and all fucking serious. And then when they take off Forbush Man's helmet, it goes into, like, Forbush Vision or whatever. And we get all these really dark parallel worlds that the characters from Next Wave are in. And I thought that that was amazing. That, like, the real, like, explicit spoof part of this series was actually the most serious. Do you remember that? Yeah. When fucking, like, Monica Rambeau was in, like, the 60s and the Captain Marvel fucking costume and these aliens are hatching out of people the captain is like um oh that was so fucking sad he's captain universe there are these fucking monuments of stan and jack and he's on a different earth he's like every action taken on my earth the opposite action happened here turns out that my earth for all its flaws was the one that went right I listen for the hissing. A thousand superhumans in flight. They hate me because I'm the last one on Earth who remembers how to smile. I am the most powerful being in the universe. I can do anything except go home. I wanted to cry after I read that. It was only like a couple of pages, too. Boom Boom didn't have a vision because it only affects people who have brains and right. thought patterns and stuff. And Cabby doesn't uh, have a mind. Yeah, so that was the joke there. <laughs> that this, this bitches be stupid. Am I right? 
But Monica wasn't stupid, and Elsa wasn't stupid. No, I know, but... Hashtag not all women. (laughs) (laughs) But still, I thought that was a really stupid, like, way to get out of this plot point that he put in. Really? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I really don't like how they treated Tabby in this series. Machine Man was an insurance agent. You remember that? Yes. On the phone? Yes, that was the best part in this series. <laughs> no, there were just a lot of a lot of really funny moments. You know, there was the arc with the mindless ones. You know, we had to fight them in Marvel Ultimate Alliance. You remember that? The fucking... Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're, you know, walking down the street in unison, snapping their fingers. They put on the fucking, like, hats, get on the skateboards, and they're rolling down the street. It's hilarious. Yeah. They're the mindless ones, Patty. I know. They're the real mindless ones. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when fucking um, Elsa... Yeah, Elsa uh, informing Tabby that there are French Canadians, that the French Canadians hate her. Z-O-M-G, there are French people in Canada. That's like right next door. Oh, noes. And like the images of her running away with her hands on her head. And then the next one, she's got her hands in the air and she's running. Yeah, I know. The art is so good. Yeah, the art is really so good. Like, the fucking action sequences are amazing. Uh, I highly recommend this series to anybody who has not read it. Like, again, don't expect anything too fucking deep, but it is really entertaining. And again, like, it, it, it really is like an action movie. Like, you don't go into Fast and Furious expecting, like, this amazing fucking plot. I mean, I don't think you do. I've only seen one of those movies, and it was dumb. <laughs> It was dumb, but... But you like high artsy things. I'm surprised you like this, and I didn't like this. <laughs> so what does that say about you? Maybe you'll like the sequel to Donnie Darko. It's called S... Oh, my God. It's called S. Darko, and we have not watched it there, wait, yet, Patty. Are you serious? There's actually a sequel to Donnie Darko? Yes, it is called S. Darko. Oh, my God. For Samantha Darko. You remember the... Yes. The little yes. sister? Yes. What's the fuck ass? She's the star. They got her oh, back. God. Years later, a bunch of years later... I, I I honestly, you guys out there, if you've seen S. Darko, you can go ahead and let us know how bad it was, because I've read that it is fucking abysmal. Worse than the first one? Okay, Patty, listen. <laughs> <laughs> Donnie Darko is so bad. Patty, Donnie Darko. Patty, Donnie Darko was not so bad. I, I and the just, tone was so weird. How? It was dark. It wasn't. Patty, uh, the dark is right in the title. Okay. It was not Donnie Laffo. <laughs> it was dark donnie mm-hmm. darko yeah well, how did you feel the tone was weird it, it just like some movies feel like they just don't have a tone really and that's how i felt like that was like there Tones? are some movies that where you know you feel like oh yes this is going to be funny and and it's gonna be enjoyable or oh i can feel that this movie's gonna be really sad the dog's gonna die after you know like whoa. 17 years whoa and <laughs> And like whatever, but that I've, was pretty Patty Darko. All right, yeah, right there. No, that was like, a that's huge... what I'm saying. You could, there are movies that you know aren't going to be sad or happy, or they're like depressing, or they're like that's the same thing, or they're going to be like really dark, like oh this is a scary movie, or this is this yeah. is a deep movie, or whatever. I, I just feel like some of these movies just don't have any tone, and I feel like Donnie Darko just didn't have a tone. But I also feel like what's the point of watching a movie that isn't funny it seems like a waste of time patty (laughs) i don't understand i mean maybe i'm tone deaf (laughs) 
But I mean, I haven't seen The Room, but I feel like that's one of those other movies that just doesn't have a tone. Well, you know what we got to do? Watch The how Room. Do you, how do we do science, Patty? <laughs> how do we do science? Control groups. We'll make another group of people watch it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the end of the series, I, I still could not fucking believe it. In fact, you know, it had been a bunch of years since I read Next Wave, and I did not remember how it ended. I did not remember... The fucking, the, the big villain at the end was Devil Dinosaur. Yeah. That was ridiculous. It was also a little funny because I couldn't believe that. I'd never been a fan of Moon Boy and Devil Dinosaur. And it turned out that this made it canon, I suppose, that Devil Dinosaur ate Moon Boy. <laughs> <laughs> I love what he said when he was mocking Moon Boy. I am the monkey. Carry me around like an animal while I spread my monkey joy. <laughs> It's funnier when you say it. (laughs) Well, you gotta do it in a voice. Do you not have voices in your head, Patty? I have nothing going on in my head. (laughs) Another thing I want to point out in this, I know we're all over the place. Listen, this is 12 issues. We're not going over all of them. We're not going over all of them, and honestly, the substance here isn't too much. It's just a real, for me, a fucking blast to read. And and it it deserves a reread, absolutely, if you're listening to this and have read it before. But one thing that... It, it's it's uh, perfect timing. We started playing River City Girls earlier yeah. today, and there's yeah, you know, it's a beat 'em up. So you got a bunch of enemies walking on screen. You got to fight them. There is one enemy. It looks like these women uh, who are cops, and you know you're kicking the shit out of them. They're women them up, cops. Them. I thought they were men cops. They look like women to me. Oh, I thought they were men. Either way. What that reminded me of as, you know, we're kicking them on the ground and punching them and whatever is the one arc where they fought that cop. Yeah. They get to the end of it and they realize, you know, after the fucking robots destroyed, turns out it's the cop and you don't you don't think it's going to happen. Meltdown just starts kicking the fucking cop and yes. Machine Man comes over and is like, what are you doing? She's like, he's a cop. And Machine Man's like, oh, my God, police. The worst fleshy ones of them all. And so they both start kicking the shit out of the cop. Which is fantastic. That's what that's what it made me think of. And I was thinking as I was reading this, I'm like, when Patty gets this part, she's going to love this book. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Hey, yeah. So, I, I don't know. I mean, was this, was this, you know, being subversive? And was this deep? And, like, it purposely wasn't trying to be? Because most comic books have a little depth there. A little... Characters, you know, are... Characters go through something. There's focus on somebody. They weren't so much changed by the end of this. You know, is that the deepness here in that it was super simple? And is it amazing that this series managed to be that much fun? Lasting 12 issues without too much depth? Yeah, because it's, it's entertaining. It's it's To me, this is different from a lot of other comics out there. It opened with a recap page with like these two random fucking people talking question and answer and there was always some big fucking joke at the end and it kind of caught you up on what was going on even though there wasn't anything too deep going on and then there was the fucking hate mail at the end you know with these random people i'm assuming they're real people that wrote in it was always like funny answers there was a fucking theme song written for next wave oh yeah i saw that the song was not a very good song but nick lowe editor at marvel actually performed it with his band that he has with his brother. I thought that you meant Rob Lowe for like a second. Oh yeah, Nick Lowe and and Rob Lowe are brothers. I was just like, wait, Rob Lowe did a a song for Next Wave and then you said the editor at Marvel and I was like, oh, right, yeah, 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 different people. Rob Lowe's side job. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Robert Nicholas Lowe. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, not the same person, but uh, I, I'm sorry. I think it's hilarious that that they actually had a theme song written for this and put out on the internet. And you can still find it on YouTube, but it is not a very good song. It's not my type of music. I'm sorry. What you kind know, of music is it? Uh, weird. Artsy, okay. artsy. Like Spangle? Yeah, like Spangle. So, um, yeah, rundown of characters in the next wave before we before we finish up. Okay, Elsa. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she was she was good. Uh, Machine Man, best character there. Um, Tabby, uh, horrible, horrible depiction. Captain, he was kind of, yeah, okay. You know, uh, Monica was just, uh, you know, there. She was the straight man. So they couldn't have every single character be like, uh, you know, jokey jokey, I guess. Yeah. You I do, don't know. You do the jokey jokey, turn yourself around. Oh my god. That's what it's all about. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Get out of my house. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, Machine Man is not a character I am super familiar with, but I thought he was he was really funny. Uh, he absolutely was really funny. And you saw this same sort of characterization in the Deadpool team up issue of of him and Machine Man. Same exact characterization. It was great. Monica Rambeau I thought was hilarious because like Patty said, you know, straight man. You know, she was an Avenger. So, you know, the Avengers are supposed to be held to this high standard or whatever. And that's what Monica was, constantly being like, oh, back in the Avengers, oh, when I was an Avenger. But then when you saw her in the Avengers flashbacks in this book, it was always these stupid moments. Captain America, go home and make me a sandwich. You know, so it was funny. The Captain, again, I'm, I'm sort of upset that he hasn't been used. Uh, he's a character that could be brought back. The chances are slim, but I think that there was actual potential there. And I'm... I agree with Patty to to a degree that that Boom Boom was was I was calling her all the different names Tabby Boom Boom Meltdown whatever um, but yeah Tabby was a caricature um, and and it wasn't really that that great which is unfortunate so Elsa was really interesting here about her is because this was her second appearance ever in a series uh, I believe it was around 2000 or 2001 was her first appearance and it was in her own mini series called Bloodstone. And Next Wave was, as far as I know, her second appearance in canon ever. And her original series, her miniseries, Bloodstone, it was it was fun. I thought it was fun. The writing, anyway, for the most part, was fun. So they changed her background for Next Wave. But if anybody decides, if you get your hands on Bloodstone or, or even just want to look at the covers, you can pretty much tell it's what, super sexist. what you need to know about the art. It's it's disgusting. It's fucking borderline pornographic. This is not the sort of thing that you give to a young girl or a teenage girl or an adult woman and say, yeah, here's your fucking new superhero and your new person to model yourself after. No. But she was still kind of badass in the series. It was great to see kind of this responsibility thrust on this young woman and her take to it so well. It kind of stunk that she did have men around her to sort of help and she couldn't do she couldn't do what she needed to do completely on her own. So again, this isn't sort of like, oh yeah, feminism sort of thing. As opposed to this Elsa and Next Wave who you know, even though yeah, there's guys around her, she's part of a team, you can tell she can still be independent. And also, you know, she was, in the original series, she was already 18 by the time she was fucking monster hunting and fighting, you know, bad guys and whatever. In this series, it sort of retconned that and had her dad just throw her into a pit when she was a fucking, not even a toddler, and fighting monsters then. So, I don't, I don't know. I have, honestly, conflicting feelings about them sort of just doing a redo on her original series, but I'm not... 
too disappointed because again if you go look at some of that art it's not okay it's really not but i do have to say for the most part her her original series is is a fun read but you might be angry so i don't blame anyone for not wanting to read it all right so that'll do it for this episode of Mutant Musings. Thanks for joining us, and don't forget to leave us a comment on geekade.com. Leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast, and on Twitter at mutant musings. Do you think Rogue really just killed Apocalypse? What did you think of Next Wave? Join us for a new episode in two weeks. And until then, French, French Canadians, Canadians were right! right.